At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. I honestly can't wait any longer, Labs. I know we usually like to banter to start these things, but I have been losing sleep over the past couple of nights wondering if we will continue our streak of quarterback questions to open up the podcast. We're 2-0 and since we started. I want to get to three because that's a winning streak right there when you get to three. Do not sell Steelers Nation short. All right. I'll take your word for it, and we'll get started with Donnie Brown from Van Buren, Maine, who asked the quarterback room, yes, yes, we got it. Three for three. What an amazing moment. (laughs) The quarterback room is stocked with plenty of variables in advance of training camp. Could it be one of the best quarterback competitions in Steelers history? And when was the last time the job was open open to three or four candidates? Uh, I don't remember it ever being – open to four candidates a starting job uh and i'm pretty and i'm pretty old so um but uh the the last time it was open to three i can't tell you i lived through that one uh that was 1996 the year after the steelers lost in super bowl 30 and that to start that off season neil o'donnell signed with the jets Mm. five years for the then unheard of amount of 25 million dollars so the job came down to uh, the two holdovers from 95, Mike Tomczak um, and Cordell Stewart, who was slash, played some quarterback, mostly wide receiver, though, in 95, right. uh, and Jim Miller. So uh, during uh, Bill Coward decided, you know, those were his three guys, and he was going to, uh, you know, run a competition, see who won, won the starting job. So during training camp and a preseason that ended – with the Steelers having a two and three record, um, and by the way, that record two and three record came in uh, wins over St. Louis and Tampa Bay at Three Rivers Stadium. The three preseason losses were to San Diego and Tokyo. Wow. Boy, was it hot <laughs> in Green Bay and in Philadelphia. So after all that was over, Cower named second year pro Jim Miller the starter. Veteran Mike Tomzak was the backup. And second-year pro Cordell Stewart went back to his role of slash. Okay, so 
took all that time to figure this out. And then in the opener against the Jaguars in Jacksonville, Miller started, uh, but he only played a little bit more than a half. He finished 5 of 10 for 47 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But near the end of the first half, he missed a wide-open Mark Bruner in the end zone on a third and nine from the Jaguars' 11. The Steelers were trailing only 7-3. to three. Um, So, you know, you hit that pass. The Steelers go in at halftime with a lead. But then in the first uh, two series of the second half, on the first of those, Miller was sacked. The Steelers had to force a punt. And then on the second series, again, the Steelers had to settle for a short red zone field goal. Uh, Bill Cower was frustrated. He pulled Miller at that point in the game, replaced him with Tom Zack, and that effectively was the end of Miller's career in Pittsburgh. Uh, Tom Zack finished out the season as the starter, was awful in the playoff game yeah. in in New England. 97 Cordell Stewart uh, opened the season as the starter. Uh, and by the way, the Steelers did lose that game to the Jaguars. You went down to Tokyo for that preseason game against San Diego, huh? Yeah, um, yes. That's got to be uh, quite was, the experience for preseason, right? Uh, yes, it was. And a, a, quite a long flight. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and uh, and um, let me tell you this. On the way home, because, you know, you cross the international date line in addition to the time zone difference. So right. the team, we landed back in Pittsburgh two hours before we left Tokyo. <laughs> On the, you know, on the clock. <laughs> right. But, you know, your body, your body did not feel like uh, feel there was like any that. time trap. No, it did not. <laughs> and, you know, I can tell you, I don't know if you've seen the movie Platoon. Yes, I have. But very early in the movie Platoon, Charlie Sheen, as the uh, soldier going to Vietnam, um, he gets off the plane. And one of the things he talks about right away is the heat. And I can tell you, you that when that we heat. got off the Oh, it, it literally takes your breath away. <laughs> the air is so thick. The humidity is so bad that your first <gasps> breath is, you know, um, like that. Yes, it was unbelievably, unbelievably hot. Matt Weborg from Wadsworth, Ohio asks, the Steelers have a rule about when they do contract negotiations. Is that a Rooney regulation or Kevin Colbert? Either way, do you see Omar Khan making larger changes that might alter previous rules slash regulations? Uh, okay, Matt, you're, you're, I think you're a little bit new to the show, so I'll go over this again. Um, when you work for the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're the general manager, you're not the boss. <laughs> uh, you're just, I mean, I'm not, you know, making fun of Omar or anything. Kevin, Kevin wasn't the boss either. Uh, so, yes, that was a Rooney regulation. The, uh, about when, they, uh, when, when the team does contract negotiations, and, you know, the reason that the Steelers uh, cut off contract negotiations when the regular season starts is because what happened in 1993. Okay, that was the um, really kind of the first year of the current economic system in the NFL, free agency tied to a salary cap. <clears throat> so during that 93 season, the Steelers entered into contract negotiations with some of their players who were set to become free agents at the end of that season. And some of the other players who were in a similar situation with their contracts got jealous that they weren't being talked Mm. to and offered extensions. 
So it caused dissension in the locker room, and the, what ended up was this. In 92, the Steelers finished 11-5 and and as the top seed going into the AFC playoffs. Um, and so, you know, they, there were some pretty decent expectations for 93. Those expectations were even increased where, like the ninth game of the season, the defending AFC champion Buffalo Bills came to Three River Stadium. I believe it was a Monday night game. And the Steelers just pounded them. Pounded them physically. The score was only 23 to nothing, but the physical beating that was um, um, put on the Bills uh, was something to see. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at that, and you're thinking, wow, they just smacked the Bills around pretty good. Uh, they were taking a lot of the Buffalo players off the field, uh, not on stretches necessarily, but, you know, they were getting beat up bad, knocked out of the game. So you're thinking, well, this team's pretty good. But then the dissension hit, and that team, um, you know, they've, they've lost four of their last seven and then were eliminated by Kansas City in the wild card round of the playoffs. So on the heels of that, the on-field the collapse kind of and the bickering that had become a public issue, Dan Rooney said no more contract negotiations during the regular season. So that policy, that rule, came from ownership. <laughs> and again, as I've explained, the boss, <laughs> um, the boss, right. That, that, you know, when, when it comes from ownership, the general manager doesn't have the authority uh, to make that change. And personally, I think it's a decent rule because, you know, the, even and now with the contract, the amounts of contracts going through the roof, imagine, you know, picking out a guy or two for extensions and, you know, other guys don't get them. So now you have a rule. Uh, once the regular season comes, all that stops. And it also serves, I think, as a deadline for both the team and the agents. Because, you know, as we, as we have learned, nothing is, mo is as motivating as a deadline. <laughs> so um, those are the rules. They're going to stay the rules. Those agents really start to jump when that 10% is on the line, right? When that 10% is cut off at a certain date, that's when they can really start to move. Well, I don't want to deter you from uh, seeking a career as an agent, but it's only 3%. Oh, my God. That's still a lot of money, though, with the money that they're saying. Right. I was, I was going to say, um, you can still, uh, 3% of $100 million is uh, <laughs> more than just a little walking around money. I'd say so. Ken Neck from Phnom Penh, Cambodia asks, what were the stats and outcome of the Steelers' inaugural NFL game? You have to go in the Wayback Machine uh, for this one. The, <laughs> yes. Um, okay. This, this is one of the things, uh, Ken, that's interesting about that era. Now, you know, the Steelers' inaugural season was 1933. And back then, the NFL did not keep individual game statistics. So... The Steelers' inaugural game, September 20th, 1933, was at Forbes Field, where the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, which is what Art Rooney Sr. called his team at first, kind of named them after the baseball team, which was something of a um, common occurrence in the NFL at that time right. because the New York football giants was the Pirates' opponent, and the football giants – were called the football giants at that point because 
at uh, the base the, at, at 1933 before Western expansion of Major League Baseball, New York had uh, three Major League Baseball teams: the Yankees in the American League, and then in the National League, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants. So to distinguish the football team from the baseball team, um, they were the football team was referred to as the Football Giants. Okay. So anyway, the football giants beat the Pirates 23-2. to uh, The coaches were Forrest Jap Dowds for the Pirates, Steve Owen for the football giants. The Pirates' only points came when center John Oler blocked a punt by Ken Strong out of the end zone for a safety. Uh, the football giants' points came on a 33-yard interception return for a touchdown by Strong, a five-yard run by Harry Newman, a 39-yard field goal by Harry Newman, and a 37-yard pass from Harry Newman to Dill Burnett. Now, also in 1933, uh, football was played, uh, offensive football was played out of the single wing. And then when the single wing, the tailback was the guy who received the snap, and he was the main runner and also the passer. The quarterback was more of a blocker out of that formation. So Harry Newman was the football giants tailback in their single wing. And that's why, you know, he was running for touchdowns and throwing for touchdowns and kicking field goals. So, and as I said, individual game statistics were not compiled. So I can't tell you um, who the leading rusher as a sample was for the Pirates that day. You know, it's funny, almost 90 years later, I think the Pirates lost to the baseball Giants 23-2 to <laughs> this year, a little bit earlier. So it's great how history always can go full, full circle like that. <laughs> Patrick Flynn from Oakdale, Pennsylvania. Any chance the Steelers organization's plans on asking Bishop David Zubik for a dispensation from Mass on Christmas Eve so we can attend the Raiders game in good conscience? Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. I'm, I'm disappointed. I know this about myself. The the nuns at Sacred Heart Grade School and the Christian Brothers at Central Catholic High School would beat my back of my hands with a ruler if I didn't know the answer to this one. Uh, Christmas Eve is not a holy day of obligation. So for um, the Roman Catholics out there, <clears throat> you don't have to go to Mass on Christmas Eve. Uh, you can go to Midnight Mass which is kind of a, you know, a twofer. Um, if you want to go to Mass on Christmas Eve, go to Midnight Mass, and it takes care of your obligation for Christmas Day. But um, I'm sure Pat, there's no one else listening to this but Patrick who has any interest in this. But, hey, since I looked it up on the Google <laughs> machine, you all get to hear it anyway. Um, the Holy Days of Obligation in the Catholic Church, January 1st, the Feast of Mary, Mother of God. Ascension Thursday, not the second one, always occurs 40 days after Easter Sunday. August the 15th, which is the Feast of the Assumption of Mary into Heaven. November 1st, All Saints Day. December 8th, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is why the um, wise caller to Myron Cope's talk show in 1972 after uh, Franco Harris's play against the Oakland Raiders dubbed the play the Immaculate Reception since it was so close to the Immaculate Conception. And then there's uh, Christmas Day, December 25th. 
those are the holy days of obligation. So in other words, Patrick, get your lazy butt out of bed the day after the Steelers game on Christmas Eve <laughs> and go to Mass on Christmas Day. Victor Regoza from Southgate, <laughs> California. Do you think that with the extra money the Steelers have left on the salary cap, they will sign a free agent? Um, you know, I wouldn't describe the amount of money the Steelers currently have on their salary cap necessarily as extra. Uh, but I do believe the best use of it would be on an extension for a pending free agent. Uh, to put a name to that, I would I would point to Minka Fitzpatrick. <clears throat> uh, the Steelers exercised the fifth-year off option on the contract Fitzpatrick signed as a rookie with the Miami Dolphins. So he's due to earn $10.6 million in 2022 as a result. But if nothing happens in terms of a contract extension between today and when? When's the deadline, Tom? I don't know the deadline. I'm sorry. I failed you. The opener against the Bengals. That's the deadline. The final the final day you can negotiate because then they don't negotiate that's in right. the season. Yeah, I should have been paying attention. Right. Uh, well, okay, you know, that's, so I, that's... You know, laps, I read ahead to the next question sometime. <laughs> zone out. You caught me, all right? You caught me. Uh, okay. I deserve to be smacked so, with the ruler now. Uh, okay. But that, <laughs> uh, that opener is September 11th. So if nothing is done between now and then, um, Fitzpatrick could become an unrestricted free agent in March 2023. Um, let me just throw this in. Uh, since we talked to you all last, um, Stefan Tuitt retired. So mm. now that, you know, that throws a little bit of a curveball into the situation. Uh, maybe the Steelers might be looking for, you know, to do something uh, to bolster the defensive line, but I really don't think there's anything out there in terms of veteran free agents, defensive linemen who are worth signing as much as getting an extension done with Minka Fitzpatrick is. So that's how I would be looking to spend the extra money. Um, but as I said, the uh, Stefan Tuitt decision uh, may alter things a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think they were going to offer Minka the money that they're going to offer him uh, anyway, but it does give them a little more flexibility to do that with Tuit's money coming open on the books now, too. I, I'm not well, sure that if Tuit was going to play, that was going to hold them back from offering Minka that extension, but it probably makes it a little bit easier to slide that figure across the table to him. Yeah, and I do. I still do think he Minka would be the priority. I agree with that. Robert Witkowski from Hatboro, Pennsylvania. Do you think there will be some grudges held by our quarterbacks due to how the roster was set? Mason Rudolph expected to be the starter after Ben Roethlisberger retired, but Mitch Trubisky was signed. Trubisky expected to be the Steelers quarterback for years, but Kenny Pickett was drafted. Um, you know, this is the NFL. You know, as Jerry Glanville <laughs> in those that famous NFL clip is telling the official from the sideline, the NFL stands for it's NFL stands for not for long. So if, you know, this isn't everybody gets to a turn on the ride on the merry-go-round. I mean, this, this, is, this is a business. This is a cutthroat <laughs> meritocracy where, you know, you play because you give the team, the coach, uh, the best option to win games. And as soon as that's not the case anymore, um, you are yesterday's news. Yes, well, for the older people listening to this, you're yesterday's newspaper. So... You know, I just, I don't think there's, there's, well, there's not any room for feelings of entitlement or petty grudges, because if a player would be feeling those things, he's already got one foot out the door. He does. Um, 
Uh, let me say this. <clears throat> Back in the early 90s, uh, Bubby Brister had won the starting job as the quarterback the Steelers drafted Neil O'Donnell on the third round in 1997. And uh, when Brister was asked about the Steelers drafting a quarterback that high, his quote was, bring him on. And so I, I would uh, <laughs> recommend and I would suggest that that's going to be the attitude pretty much for all of the guys uh, in the Steelers quarterback room this summer. I also have to imagine that nothing can help smooth a grudge over like a couple million dollars in your bank account. I mean, it might stink, you know, personally for Mason, if he ends up, you know, not on this roster, doesn't get the spot that he thought he could get heading into this battle, but that's a pretty nice consolation prize for him. It's a pretty nice consolation prize for Mitch if it doesn't work out as far as on-the-field performance. Yeah, I, but I do think they really want to play. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, and I, for people like me and you, that's a very nice consolation prize, but I would imagine that for those guys, um, playing is a big part of um, them, their ju them judging their um, – this stage of their career as a success or not but again um they can't be sidetracked by you know by grudges or you know feeling hurt <laughs> because as i said uh then you've almost lost the battle right there a couple more questions today bill mataliano from salon ohio asks in 1933 were the steelers or should i say pirates a team started from scratch or were they moved from somewhere else do you have an idea of what it cost to start a team in 1933? Well, the franchise fee in 1933, the, num the amount that Art Rooney Sr. paid, was $2,500. That's what it cost to join the NFL in 1933. And um, I don't know if anyone's seen, you know, the Broncos are for sale. And, um, you know, one of the Waltons, right. uh, Walmart family, uh, is bidding uh, the number I've seen. Is five billion yep, same. for the team. So that's let's just pretend um, twenty five hundred dollar investment, five billion dollar payout. Um, you know, sign me <laughs> up for that. Um, but uh, no, the the um, Art Rooney Seniors team was formed. You know, it didn't it didn't move like at that time there was there was some movement. For example, the Decatur Staley's became the Chicago Bears but the there was no uh the Pittsburgh Pirates were uh yeah they were formed off the street so to speak and our final question today comes from Bob Duff from Arlington Texas I'm excited that the Steelers will be holding training camp back on the campus of St. Vincent College in Latrobe after a two-year absence. I would like to plan a trip north to see the team practice. Can you tell me when the Steelers will release the training camp schedule and which practices might be open to the public? Uh, you know, Bob, I've got to be honest with you. I thought that the training camp schedule would be out by now. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's there's there's a lot of moving parts. So uh, it's not out yet. But what I would say is this week is mini camp. And so I would imagine that if I were you, I'd start checking Steelers.com daily uh, starting a week, a week from uh, today, Monday, June 2nd. So Monday, June 13th is when I'd start checking uh, the Steelers website for the training camp schedule. And um, the practices are, that are open to the public are just about all of them. Uh, when the team 
is at St. Vincent College. Anytime the team is in pads practicing, it's open to the public. Admission is free. Parking is free. Uh, you know, come out and uh, enjoy the day. Are you excited to make your return back to Sharkies in what's probably been, what, over 700 days since you've been there? Unless, you, unless you've been sneaking up to Latrobe without the team there to, to get your Sharkies fix. I'll tell you what. It's, um, you know, been tw- 2019 since the Steelers w- went to St. Vincent. And um, that's that's three years. Right, it's, that's uh, significant. It's, it's almost going to, you know, I've, I've been going to training camp in one capacity or another since – 1985. So um, I didn't think there would ever be a time where I would say there's, it's going to be an adjustment, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> after being away for three years, you might have to get reacclimated <laughs> to it a little bit. It'll but, be a little yeah, exciting I mean, I, too, you know? It'll be exciting to get back there. Yeah. And I, and I like training camp uh, all except for one thing, living in a dormitory with a bunch of <laughs> uh, grown men. Because uh, that's not, um, <laughs> it's it's not exactly. Yeah, I'm a neat freak, and so oh, let me just say time. that. Ooh no! <laughs> I mean, the best part of training camp uh, for me always was when you'd wake up in the morning to the smell of Clorox. Uh, uh, ble- a fresh bleached hallway, nothing like yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, nothing uh, like it indeed. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Always appreciate you guys sending in your questions and, of course, giving us a listen. Get your questions into labs now. Maybe you'll hear them on next week's edition. But for Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opferman, and this has been yet another edition of Asked and Answered. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.